0: Find somebody you like, somebody you understand, somebody you can communicate with and learn from them, because that is key. Don't listen with your
1: mouth. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, mechanics. Calling all women who love their ride! I would like to introduce you to a one-of-a-kind women's motor fest. You will not want to miss this sisterhood celebration of women-owned whips. Cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs. If it has a motor, it belongs. Ladies, this is our MotorFest. Boys are welcome to attend, but the spotlight will be owned by the women in their whips. Check out all the details by visiting womensmotorfest.com. Jamie Helm is in the driver's seat today. She built her first transmission at age 17 by reading a manual and has built hundreds since. Between 1997 and 2001 she traveled the Lowrider Magazine Circuit in the world of wheels showing her car. Jamie co-owns and runs and has worked daily in her shop for over 10 years, which she and her sister Naomi opened to the general public in 2018 in the suburbs of Chicago. As if all of this wasn't impressive enough. She also teaches free automotive basic classes through local libraries and is partnered with the local community college for auto students to job shadow for a six-week interval. Now let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, FemCanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Jamie Helm in the driver's seat today. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm really well. How are you, Jamie? Such awesome names. I know. Actually, I like the way yours is spelled better. <laughs> it's the Hooked on Phonics version. I always tell people that. It's just two little words stuck together, just J and me, but yeah. it sucked when I was little. I never got the cool like mass produced little uh bike license plates because they never had my name spelled right on, <laughs> or the keychains or anything like that. yeah, nope, mm. none of that. I'd have to get everything custom, and my folks were not getting that custom. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing custom about it no, well, thanks for being on the show. I stumbled across your information actually through. Nessie, through your guys' uh, kind of journey on the Motor Trend show. And I started digging into it. I'm like, boy, she's someone I would be interested in interviewing. You handled yourself with such poise and class on that show. And I love getting a particular type of woman on the show. And boy, you check all boxes. So thanks for being who you are. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so
0: stoked to sit here and talk to you today. Um, I've been looking forward to this. So yeah, thank you
1: very much. There were some challenges we both had, but we forged through them and we're on the calendar knocking on the door of good old SEMA and Apex uh, right around the corner for us. So I want to learn a little bit about your history. Okay. And we talked a little bit about it in the pre-interview because I I like getting a little information, but you have a pretty interesting story. I love all the stories. That's probably why I love interviewing women. The whole thing just fascinates me. But let's go way back. Did you always know you were going to be in the automotive industry? No, I didn't. I actually...
0: Because my dad was a body and frame man his whole life um, and then got into taxi cabs. I've always been around cars. Um, I wet sanded his 64 Corvette with a rock and water when I was three. Uh, (laughs) So trying to mimic him, but obviously I, I didn't have the right tools. So, I mean, I think that's probably something I remember the furthest back, but you know, I graduated high school early, um, a year early, and uh, I actually went to community college for a while, and I wanted to go to four-year college, and my dad pretty much stopped me. He said, why would you do that? Why would you go to college? You have your family business. You don't need to go to college. <laughs> so. We have everything right here. Exactly. So um No, I mean, I've always had a passion for cars, uh, but actually working in the field, it really came down to helping the family and saving money and uh, I guess just sacrificing. So my dad, I always sat next to him. I was his shadow at a very young age, watched him do frame repairs and uh, body work and painting. So I could paint by the time I was about, I want to say 13 And when I learned to paint, I learned to paint single stage paint, which
1: is even like harder (laughs) than dual. I hope some of the listeners just at a high level understand the difference between the two. Okay. So single stage
0: is like, it's enamel. Um, You you got one shot, girl. That's it. (laughs) So, you know, it's when you paint um, two page or two stage paint, rather, you're painting the color and it dries, then you paint the clear. This stuff, it's all shiny all at once. So you paint and you can't have any drips. You can't have anything. Okay. So it's just, it is what it is. (laughs) So I learned how to do that when I was 13. I painted with Emeron and Centauri because we use that on our taxi fleet. So I got real, real good at that, like painting. But when I was about 17 years old, I think my dad was actually making fun of me. He tried building Uh, Chevy 700R4 transmission. He tried maybe eight times. We didn't have car lifts at that time either for our taxi fleet. So they would be taking them in and out on the floor in the shop and it was getting painful.
1: I want to qualify this for folks. Okay. You don't live in a small city. You're actually in Chicago, right? No, no, no. No. I am
0: in a suburb. Suburb of
1: Chicago though. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I'm about 20 minutes west of O'Hare Airport about 40 minutes west of Chicago and I do live in a city. It's called Elgin and it's uh population probably around
1: 150,000. So it is a nice size. So when we're talking taxi, your father started from scratch and right. built an entire taxi fleet in Chicago. Yeah,
0: he stole my mom's car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> true story.
0: Man, he there was a taxi company in town or in our city, and my dad did body and paint work on this guy's tow truck for a tow truck show, like a car show, I guess. And the guy never paid my dad. And he also owned a taxi company, the only one around. So my dad said, you know, you don't want to pay me? That's fine. I'll put you out of business. My dad took my mother's four-door Buick Century and turned it into a taxi cab just to put that company out of business, out of spite. <laughs> I'm serious. It took 25 years and we put the company under. And the company was over a hundred years old at that point. Oh my God. That's how much of a vengeance he had against this guy. So Wow. <laughs> lo and behold, I mean, my dad did have body shops and he converted into taxis in uh he started the business in '85. So I guess the way he explained it is there was a recession or something in the early 80s and insurance companies weren't paying and he basically got out of the body shop business. So went into taxis, didn't know anything about it. There's no school you can go for about learning how to run. I mean, you watch the TV show Taxi. Especially in the 80s. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's not like you could Google something. No, no. So.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, for people who've never been in the Chicagoland area, it's, it's like LA almost where When you drive from Chicago out to the suburbs, there's no gaps in between. It's just the city and then town, 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 town. It's just such a a huge, vast area out here. Yeah. So we had um, probably one of the third largest taxi fleets in the suburbs of Chicago. My sister and I still run that business too. In all of your spare
1: time. Yeah, in all of my spare time. (laughs) I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. This is so impressive to me. One, you're running two businesses. Mm -hmm. So one, you mentioned the fleet, taxi fleet business, right? Mm -hmm. The second one is you own a mechanic shop as well. Mm -hmm. So two businesses and not small businesses. I mean, these are well-established businesses. Yeah. And you're a mom. Yeah. Of how many children? Twin boys. Oh, twins. Buy one, get one free. (laughs) Ooh, I don't think I realized that they were twins.
0: Yeah, they're actually seniors in high school. And you're married. No, no, not married. I've been with my partner for
1: five years. Five years. So I'm divorced. But regardless, you're in a relationship. And relationships, just like anything, yeah, take time and effort. Two businesses, two kids, mm-hmm. in a relationship, and I don't know if you've signed the deal or whatever, but a more recording and TV work as well. Correct. Yeah, all that. I'm going to just pause and let that sink in <laughs> a little bit to the listeners. And I'm going to ask you a little later because you just mentioned your boys are seniors in high school. Mm-hmm. And all along the way, you've been running your own business. So before we jump there, I'm going to pick your brain around that because that topic always fascinates me. Okay. Because as women, we tend to beat ourselves up a lot. We have pretty high expectations of ourselves. And Sometimes seeing other women and how they manage this helps all of us feel normal. I'm going to backpedal a little bit. So your dad said, no, you're staying here. (laughs) Don't go to college. Right. Did you just go into the fleet business then? No. So like I said, my dad
0: was trying to learn how to build these 700R4 transmissions for the taxi fleet. And no matter what he did, he couldn't do it. So my dad gave me the book. I think it was facetiously or to keep me busy or out of trouble, and said, if you can build this transmission, it will save our family and the fleet so much money. At that time, we probably were running 40 to 50 cars back in 96, 97, okay? So the first one I built from a transmission manual, and it worked. Did he just crap himself? He freaked out. Freaked out.
1: How old were you? 17. (laughs) Like, no way you just did this.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I can only imagine that. Walk me through that day. Like, you finish it, you get it all hooked up and installed. Oh, I was scared to death. Are you kidding me? I,
0: they're changing these transmissions on the floor without a lift. I'm like, I am running out of here. Call me and let me know what happens, you know, because I don't want to be here. To, it, my dad could be a hothead, you
1: know. So I'm like, Got home now. Let me know if it works. <laughs> you know, so. What did you call you after everything got hooked up?
0: Yeah. And he's like, well, at least the reverse works. He's like, I could never get reverse down. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, no, it works. You did a good job. So, and I have a brother that's a year older than me, and he's always worked on cars. So I think he was a little flabbergasted too. And then that dubbed me the transmission builder. After that happened, I built oh man, I don't know. I've built so many 700 or 400s. And then I went into the front wheel drive transmissions on the Impalas and then, uh, into the Crown Vicks. And then I've done Toyota transmissions. I've done vintage car, like old Mustang transmissions. I like rear wheel drive transmissions. I don't like front wheel drive to build. They're not fun (laughs) by any means. All in all, um, Learned how to build the transmissions. And then one day my dad says to me, this car in the shop needs brakes. I'm like, okay. He's like, can you do the brakes? I'm like, no. He's like, what do you mean? No. I'm like, I know how to build transmissions. I don't know how to do brakes. No one ever told me how to do brakes. You know, at that point I took a little more seriously because I, our family, I mean, we had probably, I want to say at that time, maybe three mechanics on staff to service all, you know, these vehicles. I mean, these taxis are on the street 24 hours a day. So the miles and the oil and, you know, just the stuff that happens to these things. I mean, we're changing engines in 24 hours to get them back out on the street. So, I mean, it was very serious to get these cars fixed right away and make sure they're safe because they have to go through safety lanes and emissions and all this stuff. I I learned how to do brakes and everything in between bumper to bumper over the years, I had a couple good mentors, and I think that's what you need, you know. I mean, man, woman, it doesn't matter. Just as long as you have somebody that's dedicated, know what they're doing, and willing to show you how to to work. Because on-the-job training really is everything in my mind. I uh, have students come in from a local community college here that are... 18, 19, 20 years old. They think they want to meet mechanics. And so they do this six week job shadow with real techs out here. And then the things they see, especially on these taxis that have four or 500,000 miles on them, <laughs> you know, it really gives them a reality check. Do you really want to do this? Do you want to be dirty? Do you want your body to hurt? every day, (laughs) you know, so they learn. And I think, like I said, OJT on the job training is so key. I mean, anybody can learn from a book, but actually executing is so, so important.
1: And day in and day out. Right. I mean, it's one thing to just be a little blip on it, but doing a six week, getting them in there. And if you're anything like your dad, I imagine you're putting them to work yeah, so that they can really see what it's about, not Oh, this is cute. I'm going to watch them do everything.
0: Oh, I've had them from every end of the spectrum to where they are sitting on their phone, not caring. And I've had some that are just so tenacious that I've, I actually hired a female on and I've been mentoring her since January. So I'm trying to build her accordingly.
1: (laughs) Is she younger? When I say younger, like in her career, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, so she took shop class in high school, and then she went to the community college. So she's done three years there, got lots of scholarships. And I think this is her last year there. I told her, you have a job. Don't quit school. Keep getting your certifications and doing what you have to do. So one day a week, she goes to school to finish all of those credits up. But uh, yeah, um, so she does both. And she's been great. She listens. So that's key. If you have a
1: mentor, listen to your mentor. <laughs> yeah. You got to be willing to listen. Here you are. You're 17. How long were were you kind of in that role at your dad's shop? Um, so at the same time,
0: I also had a show car that I would take to World of Wheels and travel around the country with. What is World of Wheels? World of Wheels is a large car show. Very commercial in like it would be at McCormick Place in Chicago, which is a very large facility. It would travel to major cities and it's a combination of any kind of show car, really Um, rods, uh, low riders, uh, motorcycles, just pretty much everything under one roof. It's just like a huge car show. They still do it today, but I don't think it's quite as big. And I also traveled the Lowrider Magazine circuit, too, with my car. So we did that for, I want to say, about three years um, traveling coast to coast with the vehicle. You got to share what the vehicle is. I still have it. It's a 62 Pontiac Bonneville two-door hardtop. And there's pictures on my Instagram, and I've been working on it. It's not a numbers-matching car. I, like (laughs) – I, like – rest mod cars. I love vintage cars from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So in my mind, build it the way you want to, you know, make it fun, make it yours, bring it up to technology, to what you need that suits you the best. And I even had that motto back in the 90s. Plus, with these type of car shows, every type of transition with the car you make is extra points so if you did an engine swap extra points you did this extra points pinstriping interior hydraulics all this other stuff frame off restoration which it had um i have trophies taller than me for this car because of you know and it, and it was an upset in the industry back in the 90s because there weren't any women in the show car industry at least lowrider shows. And the way my name is spelled, they would call me Jaime. (laughs) I know, right?
1: (laughs) That's the thing being in this industry and us having the unisex name. Sometimes I'll get stuff in the mail and they'll be like, Mr. Jamie Plossman. And I'm like- Oh, yeah, I get that. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) You know? Yeah, that's a Jamie thing. Right. So how old were you
0: when you got that car? I was about the same age. I was was about 17. So my dad and I went to like a warehouse. His friend owned it. It was filled with vintage cars. And I saw this car and I fell in love with it. And, you know... My dad wasn't like a huge spoiler guy like to his kids, but he could see my passion for the car. And I had come back from a trip with my girlfriends, and it was sitting in the driveway waiting for me. Oh, wow. And no matter how much I buffed it or waxed it, it would not shine. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where the whole restoration process happened. And it ended up turning into... A very well-known show car back in the 90s. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: Did you name it? Is your car a boy or a girl?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So my car's name is The Chief, Pontiac. And not only that, but my dad is a registered Native American too, or he was. So it kind of fit. So
1: the your car's name is Chief? The Chief, yeah. The Chief. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Chief. Yep. Okay. I got it. Oh, I love it. What color is it? It is purple. Like a deep purple, a brighter purple. I'll tell you, like a lot of people see the car
0: and they think that it is like a house of colors, like pearlescent, but it's not. It is actually a Ford Mustang Probe Escort Ranger color from the 90s. A very deep, almost like cobalt slash purple.
1: Like almost like a plum? No. No, not quite that deep. It's purple. Like it's purple. (laughs) 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 <laughs> like my, my white out here. Yeah, it's purple. I love it. So 17, you knock your dad's socks off and like, mm-hmm. look at me. I rebuilt this transmission that no one else could. Mm-hmm. You got this car. Sounds like you caught the bug.
0: Yeah, I did.
1: How long were you doing that? Like building transmissions, brakes, all that? Oh, so
0: I still build transmissions today if I feel like it. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I've been redoing my Bonneville. Um, for shows, I had a 396 big block Chevy engine in it, which was out of my mom's El Camino SS. And my dad said, Give your mom back her engine. So I did.
1: <laughs> and I put. Wait, I got it. I got a pause. <laughs> Take my back. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the typical conversation <laughs> in most families, right?
0: My daughter
1: bo- took my shoes and borrowed my shoes. I want them back. We wear the same size. Give your mom back her engine.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'm like, well, it's all done up and fancy. There's the Helm
0: family for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, it's got the chrome serpentine system. It's got this. It's got everything chrome on it. So, yeah. Yeah, the engine came out, and then I just, for the second time, mounted um, a Chevy 350, small block engine in it. Gen 1. Why'd you go with that one? Okay, so this is another thing that a lot of people don't know about me. I do not have the need for speed. I never have. So when I turned 16, I did not get my license. I saw so much wrecking and bloodshed from taxi cabs. I did not. I had no interest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, my dad is the one who pressured me because at that time we lived about a half hour from work. He's like, instead of taking the train every day, maybe you should get your license, you know? So I, I finally caved in. I mean, my dad was the one who always had the conversations with me, even when I was younger. You have to wear a bra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We had to have that conversation, too. You You had it with your dad. That's awesome. With my dad.
1: I'm like, where's my mom? You know? No, my dad. That's hilarious. That's that's awesome. Kudos to dad. What is dad's name, by the way? My dad's name is Frank. Frank. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's my brother's name, too. So is he a junior? Actually, my dad's the junior.
0: So, yeah, my brother would be the third.
1: Okay. Nice. That is awesome. We'll go, Frank. You're awesome. So here you're going down this path. What were some of those like pivotal points for you yeah. throughout this journey because it since you were little little right you've been in garages and painting mechanical you name it right. right you've been around it your whole life what was like one of that pivotal moments i think everyone has them the quarter life crisis everyone has i think a quarter life uh midlife there's a, like those pivotal points or awakenings where it's like okay i'll tell you so Like I said, we
0: traveled the show car industry for about three years. And then my dad got sick. So my dad um, was a Vietnam vet. He had Agent Orange. In 2002, they diagnosed him with kidney cancer. At that point, everything came to a screeching halt. So it's kind of like, okay, shows are done. Dad's sick. They removed his kidney. He ended up being fine for a while. But, you know, it, it kind of was a domino effect from that, where he ended up having like 18 surgeries over 20 years. So, and then I'm not talking about small surgeries. I'm talking about like lung, back fusions, neck fusions, just so much. Okay. So at that point, and I have a little sister that's three years younger than me and she is my rock and I am hers. Now my brother, don't get me wrong. We're very close. He does work with us, but my sister and I have always been very, very close. So my sister and I, are the ones who run the day-to-day business. And we were back then too. And we were very young thrown into this. But you have to understand, when my dad started the taxi company, I was about seven or eight. My sister was probably four or five. I mean, we've been in the industry our entire lives and there's nothing that really surprises us anymore. So, I mean, we know what to do. Um, But that with a family member that, Is so instrumental, started everything, had all the ideas, all the plans, all the wishes, all this, the dreams. And then all of a sudden, they get sick like that, and you you have to do something. So, my sister and I stepped up. That's all we could do. The fun stuff was over at that point. No more shows, car set aside. My car was sitting on the rack for damn near 20 years because I got married, I had kids, I just ran my fleet of taxis. (laughs) and kept repairing the cars on the fleet. You know, at one point we were up to 80 cars. I mean, that's, it's a lot of cars. It's a lot of drivers. It's a lot of headaches. Yes. Especially with a 24 hour business. Yes. So fast forward, my sister and I uh, have been keeping everything together and my, you know, then Uber and Lyft came in Mm -hmm. the uh, whole industry which, yeah, it was a huge upset. But anything with technology, it is. It is what it is. You know, everything is going to evolve. It's either going to get better or it's going to go, so, you know, one or the other. So we've hung on. Um, one of the very few companies that have in this area, not many have. So, uh, But we've had such an established business for so many years that it's uh, a household name in the suburbs where we're from, our company, for, for the taxis, that is. But... You know, it's funny, and I hate to say this, but, like, we ran Chevys and force for so long on our fleet. My dad wanted to get into the hybrids because the gas, you remember when the gas prices were, like, around $4 a gallon? Yep. It was getting crazy. Yep. So he wanted to get some hybrid cars because it would relieve the drivers. The drivers get the car filled with gas. They bring it back filled with gas. That's how it works in the taxi industry. So if they could have a car that's more fuel efficient, they could, they'll pay more for the car. So... We ended up uh, buying a whole bunch of Toyota hybrids and virtually overnight, we saved so much money on parts and labor moving from domestic to Toyotas. It was crazy. So I have mechanics standing around doing nothing and waiting for cars to bring. (laughs) So my dad says to my sister and I, let's just open the shop to the general public at the same time. My facility's around 11,000 square feet. Most of it shop, lots of lifts, alignment racks. We have so much equipment here. It's not even funny. So that's what we did. It took us about four months to get our permits to open the doors here to the general public. And we wanted to help. We, we opened up with such a ludicrous labor rate. It was For this area, we opened up at $75 an hour. And we were doing that to try to help people. We didn't want to price gouge people. I mean, a lot of our girlfriends, single moms, single dads, a lot of older people that, you know, get these horrible estimates from dealerships and other chain shops and stuff like that. So we wanted to be a breath of fresh air in this industry. And that's what we did. It was, again, another huge upset. But, you know, before we actually opened, our father passed. The kidney cancer came back by the time we found out it was too late and it pretty much just spread throughout his body. And in three weeks he was gone. <laughs> so it was just, it was surreal that, I mean, cause he kept asking, do we have our permit to open? Do we have our permit to open? And then one day he just didn't feel good went to the hospital and the doctor's like, you're not leaving. And it was crazy. So he passed May 3rd and we opened up on purposely on his birthday on June 7th.
1: Mm. What year was that? 18. Oh, that's not that long, though.
0: No, no. But, you know, he was everything to our family, um, my sister and I. So <laughs> every day it's like, that's why it's like you you have to do what you love to do. You have to reach for the stars. you got to keep your family together because family is so, so important. My sister and I got every single one of our taxis together on his birthday and went from one side of the city. I didn't even pull a parade permit. They were so pissed at me. (laughs) And we took a taxi parade all the way through to our shop and then did the opening.
1: So for him. That is so cool. What kind of response did you get?
0: You know, I think people were really, really freaked out about people were really freaked out because. They've never seen so many taxis clog up streets. And then there was actually um, a newspaper article about it. So that's on our business uh, website. I think, uh, you know, my dad knew so many people and he was one of those people that would just sit and talk and talk and go to restaurants and talk to people. He was just like part of that old guy coffee clutch crew. <laughs> he was a talker. so
1: And a visionary. Oh yeah, he was
0: <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Biggest risk taker I've ever seen. So
1: I, I'm just reflecting on, you know, him taking your mom's car and starting a fleet business from
0: the family car. She had no idea. She was so pissed. She's like, where's my car?
1: He she thought he was painting it. Nope. <laughs> yep. Wow. What a man. What a man. I'm just processing right now. Here you are, 2018. That's literally three years ago. That is not that long ago. Mm -hmm. What's next? Have you and your sister, I don't know how involved your brother is in that part, but I know day to day you and your sister run the business. What vision do you have for the business?
0: Well, you know, as taxis have changed a lot with technology, this industry is too. So between we do work on hybrids, so that's good. But um, the electric cars, it kind of worries me how fast, like how fast are they going to come in? And even though I've been working on cars for over twenty years, it's it's one of those things where you have to keep learning. You still have to go to classes. You still have to keep up to date. You still have to talk to other techs and learn. I mean, it's not like you know everything, even though you've been working on cars for over twenty years. You know. So, but I mean, I think our ultimate goal, we we need a bigger building. And my goal from the start was to be a 24 hour shop because this area is actually very blue collar. There's a lot of warehouses, a lot of third shift workers, people that need services even on emergency and stuff like that. So, I mean, I wanted to have a shop around the clock. It, my sister and I are so used to running a 24 hour business that it just to us is like, whatever. <laughs> you know. So I think that, and there's nothing like that around here. Doing something like that, like maybe doing heavy engine repair and and transmission swaps and stuff like that at night and turning these cars over faster and then doing the regular jobs during the day.
1: You did all of this while being a mom of twin boys. So hmm. what was that like? I see two aspects of this. Like I've talked to women where uh, they are an employee of a shop, Right. And you wear way more than two hats. But just to generalize, you are an employee and the owner. Yeah. Right? How did you do it? So
0: my dad made me
1: take two years
0: off work, which was excruciating for me because I've always worked. Um, I
1: want to pause and reiterate it. Your dad made you. This guy gets
0: cooler and cooler the more. (laughs) These were his first grandkids. Okay. So. He, uh, twins run in our family. There's over 130 sets that date back for 200 years. I had no idea I was having
1: twins. Surprise.
0: (laughs) My doctor was so old school. I didn't have an ultrasound until I was five months.
1: (laughs) Now there's 3D imaging and you can see their nose hairs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then basically after I had my ultrasound two months later, they were there, you know? So I didn't really have a lot of time to process this. Um, but after two years, I put them in daycare together, obviously, um, I would go and pick them up from daycare wearing my work uniform, dirty head to toe. Other parents would look at me like, like I was crazy, <laughs> you know, like looking like this They're not used to seeing women dirty, smelling like fuel, <laughs> you know?
1: Picking up these little kids. Especially then. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably, what, 16 years ago? 17? Um, about 15 years ago. So About 15 years ago?
0: Yeah. So, they were about two. They're going to be 17 in 10 days. So, yeah, about 15 years ago. I
1: think there's been a lot of change in the last, like, 10 years. Wouldn't you say? I agree. There seems to be a lot more, especially with, like, social media. Mm-hmm it seems like it's helping bring more women into the industry because it's normalizing a little more. I agree and I think it's great. Yeah, even 15 years ago when you were strolling up there. Yeah. <laughs> How were you received by like your friends and like other family members? You know what? Um
0: my girlfriends that are from high school, I grew up from junior high, from elementary pretty much, so and there's only a few of us they, It was a norm. Like, my girlfriend would get in a car accident. I'd fix her car. <laughs> you know, So it's kind of like, <laughs> you need brakes down? Okay. And that's one of the reasons why my sister and I started our shop. Because we had so many girlfriends that had issues with their cars, would get an estimate, and be like, does this sound right to you? And I'd be like, wow, that sounds like super overkill. Why don't you just bring it over here for me? to? I can't work on it, but I can look this quote over for you. And it just you know, over time, it just became really disgusting. Some of the stuff I saw that shops would do to women, um, particular customers, particularly older women that I see on a day to day basis. I have women walk in here in tears about these quotes that they get, especially from dealerships that are like, so out of this world stuff that I'll look it over. And I have no idea why they quoted something like this, you know, like, No, your power steering pump isn't leaking. I can assure you. I will bring you out here and show you. No, I can't explain to you why they quoted this on a piece of paper to you. I can't. So, I mean, trying to explain to people that, yeah, the automotive industry does have a bad rap for things like that. But I'm trying to make a difference in this area. So,
1: Well, you are in many areas. And I want to go back a little bit. You'd pick the munchkins up from daycare. Mm Mm-hmm. We always say it takes a village. And was that the case when you were raising your boys? To be honest with you, their father didn't
0: help much at all. Um, My ex-husband. So I felt like I was doing everything. You know, he was one of those guys that would be like, oh, I've never had to change a diaper ever, you know. And After they were born? Yeah. Yeah. He would like gloat about that to people. So, you know, I would have a kid in each arm taking care of them, you know, and he just watching his football game or whatever. So, yeah, um, that's why we never had any more kids. We were divorced after 10 years. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't have a lot of help. And they have lived with me. I have been the residential parent ever since 11. So
1: I'm trying (laughs) not to react strongly. (laughs)
0: I'm just like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stories I can go there with, but that's a different type of podcast. Yeah, yeah, that is
1: that is a different type. So did you ever experience what I refer to as like mother guilt? Oh, yeah, I still do it today. So my kids
0: are home right now waiting for dinner. All right. It is what it is. I'm at the office. I'm going to do this real quick. Like their soccer uh, banquet last Tuesday. I couldn't make it. I couldn't do it. So I gave their father my tickets and, and told them to go, you know, there's so much stuff I have missed, but my kids understand because, you know, at the end of the day, when they turned 16, they had the freedom, they had their licenses, they had their cars, they have their insurance, they have all this stuff that they know that I've worked so hard for them. And they live in the best school district in the area. They have a beautiful home. They they don't have like, I wanted them to grow up different than me where you don't have like the stresses of being around, you know, I don't know. I lived a hard life at a young age because of the industries we were in. So
1: hard in what sense, Jamie?
0: Well, like the taxi industry in general, the type of people that are in that. Okay. So like taxi drivers, don't get me wrong. I've had drivers that have had master's degrees. I have had retired older guys like parts deliverers that just want to get away from their wives a few days a week and just drive and make some extra cash. And I also have drivers that have been homeless that I have helped get on their feet to get um, their life back in order. And everything in between. <laughs> so, you know, you have the most upstanding citizen driving taxis and you also have people that that aren't and being around them and seeing them as a young child and, you know, I mean, you you see all walks of life and like I've never ever been on a job interview in my life. However, I have interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people between taxi drivers and mechanics. That's all I mean, I I interview so many people. So I'm a very laid back person. And I just the industries that I come from, like I told you before, there's not a lot that can happen that will surprise me. I don't get excited over many things in my life because of the things that I've seen too. you know, I'm kind of
1: uh, numb to a lot of stuff. And you just wanted to give them options. Right. If they wanted to, fine. Or would you deter them away from it? No, absolutely. You know, um, last summer I brought them down here. I
0: was showing all the, well, because we all have boys. My brother has a son, my sister has a son and I have the two. So we, and my, my brother has a um, a stepdaughter, but it's predominantly boys in our family at this point. So I would gather the boys up and I show them how to do breaks, show them how to do oil changes. And believe it or not, my kids have no interest, none at all. My sister's son does, which is Cool. But my two, nope, not at all. Wow.
1: What do they think about mom? What did they think growing up? Like I don't know. They think it's normal. Isn't that interesting. Yeah, they they
0: know no different. Like people will say stuff to them and they'll just be like, To them, it's just like having a job at the local grocery store, you know. Do, like,
1: does any of their friends are like, My God, that's cool, your mom does that, or
0: Yeah. I'll tell you a story. So this past summer, one of my twins bring home. A friend and they were gonna to go to Great America, like an amusement park. And the boy's like, "Is that your mom?" And Hunter's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Why?" He's like, "Shh, my car was in her shop last week. I can't believe
1: that's your mom. Oh my gosh!" <laughs> you know, he was the kid was freaking out. You know, did you get any like um, fanboying after you were on Motor Trend? Did any of them know? Like any of his friends, like, your mom was on TV or- No,
0: because you know why? They have different last names than me. I took my maiden name back. Ah, okay. So okay. a lot of people have no idea, like, who their mom is at all. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> so yep. funny. Mm-hmm.
1: So real quick, you were on Motor Trend. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? So I get an email one day off of my
0: Wicked Wrench business website of a casting agent saying, "Hey, you should put in for this." I don't know who this guy is. So I start reading about it, I'm like, 5 years experience, if you love cars, if you work on cars. I'm like, oh, sounds pretty cool. So I'm like, "Hey, Frankie, that's my brother." I'm like, "What do you think about this? Maybe we should try to put in for this together." He's like, "Yeah, okay, cool." <laughs> so we just kind of made a video with him and I. That was it. And sent it to the casting agent. The casting agent, like, emailed me. And I don't know. I get so many business emails and school emails and, I mean, bills and all this stuff. I didn't see it. I didn't see his response. Then he emailed me again. I'm just like, okay. So then he wanted a couple pictures. We sent him over. And then they were like, you're in. I'm like, just like that? He's like, yeah, you're going to be a brother-sister combo. (laughs) I'm like, okay, sure. Okay, fine. So.
1: That was it. Pretty much. Like, how long was the video? Uh, Ten minutes, maybe. So not crazy long. No. No, we were
0: just explaining us, showing our shop, showing what we do, talking back and forth about, you know, why it would be cool for us to go there. Um, And that was pretty much it. Pretty cut and dry. So At
1: that point... Were you still thinking, is this a scam?
0: Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, who, who gets a cold email like that about, oh, uh, let's go on bitch and rice? Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, something that you've seen for so many years on TV while you're cooking dinner. Well, at least me, and I'm just like, okay, you know. So, so
1: was that a real experience for you?
0: It was crazy. Now, my brother. If you've ever seen the show, he's my brother's just off the hook as it is. He's just. He, he, <laughs> <You> said, <"Oof." laughs> yeah, no, I love him to death, but I mean, what you see is what you get. you know, he doesn't work well with others. I mean, with me, he does. Like we can work together all day long. I mean, we grew up since we were little kids, but like he's funny. My brother's hilarious. Uh, he's just really a, he's a very sincere person, and he loves what he does. But um, we get out there. I was told, I think originally that there' was supposed to be eight people. So there were more than eight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then they're like five years experience. Then there were people there that clearly did not have five years experience because of their age. Yeah. Okay. They're throwing a twist in here now. And then
1: there's actually five women. That threw me back. I was like, that was pretty cool. I was freaked out. That's what caught my attention. I'm like, good for them. Yeah. So then that- you ladies hung. I tried, you know, and I was like there, and I'm
0: looking at everyone. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the oldest female here. How would this happen?
1: You know, <laughs> isn't that weird? When that, like, you look around, and you're like, huh? I'm used to being the youngest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or I'm used to being the
0: only female. Yeah, so it was so cool. Yeah, meeting everybody else, Des and and Brianna, um, especially, you know, I think just. Meeting all these other people and going to dinner with them and talking with them, it just that was worth it alone. I mean, these people are such characters.
1: How long were you actually um, doing the recording? Like, how long were you away from the fam?
0: I was gone for three weeks.
1: That's not too bad. No, that was
0: in uh, January of uh, 2020. That's right before COVID happened. Yeah. What did the kids? What did your partner and your? He's very supportive. He is my biggest fan. So I think he was a little freaked out too because it was bitch and boot camp by bitch and rides, you know? So like, he's, he's a car guy too. Yeah. He doesn't work on them, but he is in the the car industry so he can appreciate it. And I think it's funny. He's a sales manager for a car dealership. Uh Um, So like- when he tells like his coworkers about me, they're like so freaked out. What do you mean she's going to Sema? She was invited to go. <laughs> you know, he's like, I told you she was badass. as we think? I'm making this shit up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of his response to it. Yeah, no, he watched the kids and uh, you know took care of them while I was gone. It wasn't a big deal. So.
1: He didn't have a problem, air quotes, changing the diaper. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Good for you. Good for you. Now, are you allowed to talk at all about maybe your future in TV gigs? I'll be, you know,
0: it's, I'll be pretty vague about it, but I, um, after the new year, I'll be filming um, a show for Netflix. So, and it's, it's obviously. Car related. Car related. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Yeah,
1: I think that's a safe assumption. You're not gonna go in the healthcare industry and start talking about no. it. No, nope. no. You're gonna
0: stay no. in your wheelhouse. I'm with you. Stay in my wheelhouse. Yep, I'm a mechanic by trade and that's where I'm staying.
1: Oh, you have such a cool story, Jamie. And your father sounds like just one of the most amazing men. And the fact that he had conversations with you about wearing a bra sauce. <laughs> Yeah. And and just purely because he didn't shy away from it. Like most dads don't want it, don't want anything to do with that. And he's like, no, I got this. I think that's why I got divorced
0: because I didn't grow up with a man that would be like, oh, this is a man's job. This is a woman's job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll be real honest with you. My dad in the beginning, he didn't really like me working on cars my dad was older he was born in 43 so he's from like a a different generation um where they're very hardcore (laughs) really tell it how it is no filter at all so you know he wanted like my sister doesn't work on cars my sister can't even jump a car seriously so, I mean, she's We all have our strengths. Right. And that's how it is in my family. My brother's a yep. mechanic. He his strengths are somewhere different than where mine are. And then my sister, she's a problem solver. She is an accountant. She is the stuff people don't want to do. Payroll and insurance and, you know, the the yuck.
1: That's what I call it. It's <laughs> a <The> yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a perfect team then. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think this is a great time to roll into the red line round. And what the red line round is, five rapid fire questions, no right or wrong answer to them. Whatever pops into your head's the right answer. Oh. And I'm curious to see your responses and answers on these. Are you ready? Yeah. All righty. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? My father. Frank. Frank Helm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck on a job? Mitchell One. Mitchell One. Tell me about that. I'm so used to people just saying YouTube. Oh. I like the the uh, surprises every now and then.
0: Okay. So I'm like I told you, I learned how to build a transmission by a book. I'm more of a reader, um, more of a diagram. Mm-hmm. So, Mitchell One is the oldest source in the country of automotive labor time and repair manuals. So, you know, you can, it's, it, it, I am constantly using it all day, every day. So, I'm the problem solver when it comes to all the techs here with, oh, this is what's going on in this and this and this. And then I put it all together and tell them what to do with the car. Um, I'm not wrenching day in, day out. I'm trying to figure out these issues with these cars day in and day out. Don't get me wrong. I do work on my, the cars, but um, I feel like I'm doing more problem solving, especially with these newer ones today. Uh, so Mitchell, when you type in there, let's say you have a, a, a P456 uh, code. And for that particular particular car, these are the top fixes, and this is what this means. And then, if you need to see wiring diagrams, you just click here and here. So, I mean, it's just it's the tools all at your fingertips. I mean, YouTube's good. I mean, it's cool. It's not always right though. You know what I mean? So,
1: I have to constantly tell my kids that they're like, "I saw it on YouTube," or "I saw it on TikTok." I'm like, "Oh man, check your facts." I'm like, "Ah, boy." What excites you most about what you do, Jamie? Customers.
0: The customers that come in here on a daily basis, bringing me cookies, pizzas, uh, flowers, um, or just
1: saying thank you. What is one story about the most touching experience you've had with a customer?
0: Hmm. Okay, I got one. So... I mean, I I probably have a lot of different stories. This one comes to mind because um, family living in public housing, uh, probably three or four kids, they brought their car over here because she was hearing a noise, didn't know what it was. Her brakes were grinding. It was near Christmas, didn't have a lot of money, um, and we gave her her brakes for free. I mean, I could just tell. I could tell the stress on her face. I could tell, you know, with the kids sitting there that she just she just couldn't afford it. She couldn't do it. Um, and I don't know. I think when it comes down to it, I'm an empath when it comes to people. And that's why my business does so well, because I can talk to every single customer. They understand what I'm saying. I speak to them in layman's terms. <laughs> and so... That that there, um, and she didn't want to take it, but my sister and I insisted. And we even told her, once a month, we do this for a customer. That's what I told her to make her feel better, that we choose you. And you know what? She's doing better now. um, And she's better on her feet. And she comes here for oil changes. And I get to see those kids and made a customer for life. So- Mm. I love
1: it. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck or discouraged? A personal habit.
0: You know, I guess it's just research. That's what it is. I do more reading. It's research. I sit here. I drink my cup of coffee, go to my Keurig machine, make my coffee, cream and sugar. I'll get out my vape. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'll sit here and I'll think about this. I mean, I can't bounce anything off my sister. She doesn't know anything about cars. Worst case scenario, I have a mentor that works at a Ford dealership of mine. Um, my my father, my brother, and a guy named Tony help me learn cars. Worst case scenario, I would text message him. But, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's about communication. I have five mechanics besides myself and putting heads together is so key in this industry because myself my brother Francisco Chuck we're all over 40 we've all worked on cars for over 20 years just that alone the experience and the things that we've seen is immeasurable so and I'm I am not scared to ask for help there is no dumb question when it comes to cars there really isn't so
1: no I've come to learn that i have come to learn that and finally what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industries
0: find somebody you like somebody that likes you it doesn't like i said in the beginning it doesn't matter if if they're a man or a woman it doesn't matter because everybody i learned from was a man um there were no women If you can find a female, cool, but it, you know, find somebody you like, somebody you understand, somebody you can communicate with and learn from them because that is
1: key. Don't listen with your mouth. That's great advice. That is great advice. And finally, where and how can people connect with you?
0: Okay. So I don't have TikTok. Um, I haven't figured (laughs) that one out yet. (laughs) I haven't had time. Anyway, I have Instagram. Um which uh, is Jamie underscore Helm, uh, J-A-I-M-E underscore H-J-E-L-M. I have a very Scandinavian last name. And then also Facebook. They're all public, so you can uh, check my stuff out. If you want to follow me, go ahead. I, I am very busy, and I don't always post a lot on there, but when I do, it's usually something pretty cool, so...
1: Outstanding. Jamie, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today and let me pick your brain and learn about your family.
0: Thank you. I'm glad you find it interesting, you know, because to me it's kind of like.
1: Well, that is not the the (laughs) typical life. A lot of little girls have had the opportunity to lead. And it's pretty cool. I think it's really cool. My stepdad's into cars and I grew up around them as well. And one of my favorite things to do would go over to his goat barn where he had all that barn was full of cars and parts and everything. And just clean car parts. I remember sitting down with little, you know, it was an old porcelain refrigerator drawer, like a veggie drawer from an old, like an old refrigerator. And I remember sitting down on a um, crate. There was gasoline in it. And as a six-year-old cleaning car parts in that gasoline and wire brush. Wow. And and I loved it. I mm-hmm. was in heaven. And those are some of my fondest memories of my entire childhood. And uh, riding with him in his box truck to swap meets um, on a crate or in a tractor tire. Was he buying or selling? Or both? Primarily buying he may have sold some stuff, but he was primarily buying. And I loved it. I had so much fun doing it. And I don't know why I got away from it, but I did. And that's why what I shared with you earlier, doing Femcanic Garage is me. It's like a coming home for me.
0: And I'm glad he made that decision because so many people are so geared to going to college, doing the paycheck thing and not taking risks, you know, and that's why the trades are in the position they're in right now because everyone is brainwashed from school. You need to get a degree. No, not everybody needs to get a degree. So yeah, I am so happy for you that you've made this transition. And like I said, I can't wait to talk to you a year from now and just to hear how you're just going to be so gratified by the change and what's going to come
1: That's the it. plan. And uh, all of what I refer to as the Femcanet Garage alumni. You are officially part of the Femcanic Garage alumni. It's an exclusive group of women because they are the only women that I have interviewed. So thank you for being part of this group. I'm honored to have you in it and I'm super excited to watch your journey. Thank
0: you. I'm very proud to, to be part of the alumni. Thank you so much, Jamie. Jamie Helm, Wicked Wrench Company, I'm a femcanic.
1: Lynn St. James is in the driver's seat next. If you know motorsports and of the Indianapolis 500, then you've probably heard of Lynn St. James. She is one of the most iconic women ever to have graced the motorsports industry. She is an author, businesswoman, and her awards and accomplishments read like a sizzle reel. Lynn is known as the American woman racing icon of the century, the first woman to have earned the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year honors, and has been invited to the White House three times. I'm pretty sure I don't need to explain to you how awesome this interview is. So be sure to tune in next week. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribed for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femme mechanic?